Good morning and welcome back to the podcast to be named later here on DK Sports Radio. My name is Alex Stumpf and I am joined today by Justin Choi of Fangraphs and Prospect 365. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for being on the show. Um, for those who don't know Justin's work, he's he just started at Fangraphs recently, written a couple really good stories that one that has definitely a pirate centric angle. Another one on the actual baseball itself that I've been reading about, wish I could (laughs) was smart enough to write something about it, but there's been a lot of good stuff about just how the new baseball is flying and moving. So we'll get into that in the second segment, but first we got to lead with the pirates angle. You wrote about Jack lighter and his fastball. And I think for how much people have heard about Rocker and Lighter in Pittsburgh over the last year, if you just took a look at Lighter physically, this is a guy who's like, you don't buy jeans. You're not here to buy jeans. You're here to buy a player because he's six foot one. The fastball is usually about 94 ish. Like, if you didn't know any better, this guy is a Chad Cool type build. But that fastball is really, really special. And you did a good dive into why that is. Um, yeah. So obviously the a reason why a lot of scouts preferred Rocker over Lighter the first few months was that, well, Rocker looks the part, right? Mm-hmm. He's a bigger guy. He's taller and he has the more immediate velocity. But I think we're starting to realize that um, Lighter's fastball is very special when you look at it from some more advanced metrics. So if that's what I should talk about, then I would love to. Yeah, go for it. Um, so let's see. So in my article, I said that, yeah, if you look at this velocity and raw spin rate, it's pretty middling, right? But then there's this um, a new stat called vertical approach angle. And it's actually not new. It's something that scouts knew about for many years. It's just that now we have the technology to quantify it, right? So we can measure the exact angle at which a, a pitch crosses home plate. And so that depends on the pitch. So, you know, just use common sense to think a fastball is going to be flatter than a curveball, right? Um, and so for a fastball, what you want is a very uh, extreme vertical approach angle, so either very flat or very steep. And in Lighter's case, his fastball is very, very flat, which means it works well up in the zone. And we all know how the trend these days is to throw fastballs up in the zone and get those lifts, right? Um, so yeah, vertical, I, so, sorry, uh, Lighter's fastball um, has a very flat vertical approach angle. And the way he achieves that is that he uses his short height to an advantage, actually. And he releases from a very... Um, low height, which makes it so that um, if you think about it, a ball released from a higher place is going to travel with a steeper angle, right? It's going to move down steeper, but one that's released um, at a relatively low height is not going to um, drop down as much. And so that's one factor. And um, another factor, a minor factor is extension. So how close you release the ball from home plate. Um, That sort of does have an effect on vertical approach angle, but I think 
the biggest takeaway from his, his extension is that um, even though his fastball, it looks 92-94, but because he releases it so close to home plate, it explodes and it just appears like, you know, 95-96. And obviously that's going to give um, a hitter a hard time, right? Um, and I think the last point I made is that even though his raw spin rate is pretty, you know, meh, um, he makes up for that in spin efficiency. So in simple terms, it's basically the, the percentage of spin that actually contributes to a pitch's movement. So in the fastball's case, that would be um, vertical movement, right? You want more rise in your fastball, so it looks um, very, very deceiving to hitters and the whiff at your fastball. Um, and college data is pretty unreliable. Um, so the data varies, but in general, the consensus is that his fastball spin efficiency averages above 95, which is super elite, even considering what the major league standard is, because, you know, even pitchers like Garrett Cole, they can only average like 97, 98, um, on spin efficiency and lighter. He's only what 20 or 21. He's already, already averaging 95 plus. So that's amazing. And, um, well, his secondary stuff, you know, that's still a question, but the fastball, at least, that's that's a very epic and amazing pitch. And yeah, that's why Pirates fans should be so excited about this young player. Just for a little bit of context to put, you know, some names attached, whenever you talk right. about his, uh, the angle that the fastball is coming in and the extension point, you, you brought this up in your article, like the best comp or the best comps, I guess I should say, for what he's got going on right now are like Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber, Josh Hader. So with, like, it, this is stuff that we, we can't really <laughs> undersell at this point, because this is, this is really important. Like those are three of the best fastballs in the game period. And that's in line. Know what you're saying about, you know, you can't always trust college stats and it's true. You can't, but just to have, you know, be in the same stratosphere as those guys as, you know, a 20 something before you even hit professional ball is outrageous. <laughs> right. Um, so I was surprised because um, I knew that his fastball was good, but before actually getting the data from a source, I didn't really realize how good it was, but then I was running through my queries and um, these names keep popping up like Garrett Cole and, um, you know, Shane Bieber and all these really great fastballs. So, yeah, I mean, I even thought I was worried that people were going to gonna, gonna um, go after me for being too, too, you know, hyperbolic or something. But it's true, you know, if you look at the numbers, they're very similar. The debate in Pittsburgh for so long has been lighter versus rocker. For you, is it, is it lighter for the number yes, one pick? Definitely. I mean, well, if I was running the draft, then yeah, but I'm not sure how the Pirates themselves will deal with this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your, your pick. Yeah, definitely. My number one. What, what's the separator? Is it the fastball? Is it just, is it something else with lighter or something maybe you don't see out of a rocker? Um, so it used to be closer for me. Um, I guess another factor that's been a, a bit of a red flag is rocker's velocity going down as he's going to the college season. And so 
Yeah, we need some more time to to see if he um, recovers from that dip. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, um, just Leiter has been a bit more dominant than Rocker has. And obviously, he has the great metrics and he's an analytical darling. So, you know, as a person who's into analytics, um, Leiter is going to be my favorite pick. Any concerns with just the secondary stuff? And all because that's that's still developing. That's what's going to be developing for a guy who coming into this year had what like five college starts. I can't remember the exact number, but it wasn't a whole lot. He was basically a high school pitcher before this year. Yeah. So um, at least the curveball does a cool thing where um, the spin of the curveball resembles the spin of the fastball. So when it's released from um, lighter's hand they look very similar until they you know they start to tunnel diverge yeah um his slider i haven't dived into it yet but um it's fine um rocker slider is definitely better and it's like his signature pitch um it's one reason why at first like full slider combo from from rocker is one reason why i gravitated him towards the beginning but you know, if you have a fastball as great as lighters, that slider, you know, can wait for that. You know, just um, that's something that we developed in the minors, whereas a fastball like his, I think there's some element of innateness to it where you, you can't just develop a pitch like that. You know, it's obviously very special. And so um, I think also from a developmental standpoint, lighter might be the better pick. Yeah. And, and not to undersell the tunneling that's something that the parts especially under oscar marine and something that i'm sure that new pitching coordinator josh hopper that's something that they really like they have been emphasizing throwing the fastball up in the zone a little more so the breaking stuff can you know play off of that a little more and lighter i i will give i'm not 100 sold on lighter versus rocker even though i am <laughs> leaning that way the more and more we go deeper into the season i think lighter does do a better job tunneling mm -hmm. yeah um and then i wanted to to kind of go over your point about player development mm -hmm. um and it kind of grinds my gear sometimes when people say oh they're gonna the parts are gonna mess up rocker they're gonna mess up lighter but you know if you do your research you'll find out that um under um under ben Sherrington, right the new gm um the parts have revamped their player development system and as you said, um, they're trying to throw more fastballs up in the zone. They're trying to um, throw more breaking balls and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't really understand those concerns, I think. Um, it's lazy analysis. They see Tyler Glass now kicking butt right. for the Rays. They see Garrett Cole become a Cy Young candidate. And they're like, oh, man, the Pirates really screwed that up, which, yeah, they did, but they're all fired. So... I, I yeah, so that, that's good. Yeah, it, it was kind of overdue in that regard. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick break. Whenever we come back, Justin and I are going to talk about the changes to the new baseball. And welcome back to the podcast to be named later here on DK Sports Radio. I am joined by Justin Choi of Fangraphs. 
Justin, I really enjoyed this article. And this is the one where in my head, whenever I read it, like I got to get you on the podcast to talk about it because I am fascinated by the new baseball this year, how major league baseball, first of all, just casually dropped, you know, a month before the season really got started saying, Hey, baseball is completely different. I know you're all major trades and, you know, picked up your free agents, but you know, we're going to try to finally deaden the juiced baseball that we never said was juiced before. But um, so far, I feel like we've seen some unintended side effects from it. Um, some of which you talked about, but before we get really into that, let's just start with the main thesis statement. Are fly balls still being home hit home runs as often as they are with the new ball as they were with the last couple of years? The thesis is we're not sure. <laughs> and I know that's a frustrating answer, but um, it's tricky doing analysis in April because um, the league-wide sample, yeah, it is pretty big, but we still have several months of baseball to play, and we don't know how batter ball data is going to change during that span. Um, but what's also confusing is that there's a lot of conflicting evidence. So, for example, the home run per batter ball events rate, when I, I last checked it in my article, that was down. Um, but also, exit velocities are up, but only for line drives, not for fly balls. So there are a lot of conflicting pieces of evidence and numbers that I'm not sure what to make of. I just observed them and put them in the article, but... Um, yeah, overall, it seems like home runs are down, which is a good thing if MLB wanted that. But it also seems like exit velocities are up too, which could potentially lead to more home runs. So, um, yeah, I'm not really clearing to see, oh, sorry, I'm not seeing the clear intention of Major League Baseball as far as the ball is concerned. Um, everyone, including me, you know, and, and Eno Saris and Ben Clemens were also confused. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and you brought up, you know, there are more batted ball events right now of exit velocities of, I think you used 110 miles per hour as the. Right. That was my like. Yeah. It's pretty arbitrary cutoff, but it still works. Yeah, 110 miles per hour is hitting the absolute snot out of a, snot out of a baseball. Like there's hard hit rate and then there's, you know, demolished in that regard. And there have been articles written out that, you know, we're seeing the highest spin rates that we've ever seen with the new baseball. We're seeing the highest pitch velocities, not just even exit velocities, just, you know, ball leaving the hand in that regard. And it's, I, I, I think you, you gave yourself the right out of it's too early to tell. And you, you brought up like in the batted ball, you know, it's not as many home runs right now. It's like, well, let's see what happens whenever it warms up in, you know, July and August, the ball does literally fly a couple extra feet in those regards. In, in those months, is is that going to lead to a couple more cheapy homers, you know, in, in the dog days of August in St. Louis, which it, it might, it might. And I, I don't know, even if it is what you've shown, where it's like a 5% drop to like a 4.8% drop for fly balls to home runs, I don't think that's really a lot by Major League Baseball, that it's not like this is what we were really worried about. You know, just so you all know, we changed the baseball. Like they could have gone through this, I feel like, without anybody noticing it so far. 
Yeah, so in their memo back in February, they did say that they wanted quote-unquote minor changes mm-hmm. to the baseball. And so I kind of have this theory that maybe this is like a first step in terms of deadening the ball. So they don't want to just go from, say, a 5% rate to a 2% mm-hmm. in terms of home runs for fly ball or batter ball events. Um, so... If that's the case, then it might actually be to be better to do it that way rather than just um, introducing a sudden drop in offensive environment at once. But if this is the final step for Major League Baseball, then, yeah, as you said, it's not doing much, right? No, it really isn't. And it's interesting because the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization, they had the same mission also. They were more aggressive with it. Um, as you pointed out in your article, the KBO actually uh, increased the weight of the core of a baseball, but while Major League Baseball decreased it. So they took very different approaches in that regard. But for people who don't really follow the KBO, how effective was that? Did they have the same thing where it was like maybe a 0.2% difference? Or was there actually like a drop in home runs and I guess offense in general? The drop was huge. Um, <laughs> yeah. So in 2018, before the, the new dead and ball in the KBO, offense was was ridiculous. It was like 2019 in, in Major League Baseball, just 40 home run players left and right. Um, and then in 2019 in the KBO, um, yeah, I remember several articles being published um, just being in awe of how much the ball's been deadened and even concerns about, is this too much? You know, are we going um, too far to limit the damage that's being done to pitchers? Um, and the key difference is, and you touched on it, is that so MLB and KBO, they both decreased the, the core of the ball, but whereas MLB also decreased the weight of the ball, the KBO increased its ball by, um, I think it was one gram. Mm -hmm. Um, And so MLB, by both decreasing the core and the weight, the effects sort of cancel out. It's what's happening. And that's why I think the home run reduction is very, very mild as of now. And so if MLB truly wants to see a dramatic reduction in... Um, the league-wide offense, then, yeah, they shouldn't try to cancel out those effects, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah, we, we can talk about if Major League Baseball actually does want to, but... It's also a question, right? Because yeah. we, we never know what they're thinking. They're always um, very discreet about things, so it's very yeah. frustrating. Again, up until this memo, they never acknowledged that the baseball was juiced, even though there was this humongous home run spike after they got you know their hands on actually manufacturing the baseballs it's it's i i don't know there's a lot of things like that for major league baseball that just don't really make too much sense um i i I won't make this you know just looking deep into the numbers here and the ex-wobas and everything that comes with the article, people should go read the article on fan graphs. It's called an early look at the new baseball. Um, but let's just play a hypothetical here. And there's no good answer to this, 
But let's just play a hypothetical here that if for whatever reason, Major League Baseball has to go back to, let's say, the 2014 baseball. And it's it's dead. And, you know, the Kansas City Royals are winning a pennant with hitting 97 home runs as a team or whatever that number was. What is the big side effect for you of what will happen to games? Because for me, I think that would be a titanic shift in how the game is played and games will speed up. Pitchers will realize, well, I don't have to always go for strikeouts. I can pitch to contact a little more, get quick outs in that regard, which I know a lot of people are in general in favor of not to say that, you know, let's just go back to the 2014 baseball because that might be a bit of an overcorrection. Yeah. So if the ball is less bouncy than um, fly ball pitchers, you know, people like Trevor Bauer, um, they would benefit because, you know, the ball's not going to fly out as, as often. And then mm-hmm. um, the, the batter balls that they allow, they're going to stay inside the ballpark. So that's going to be a big effect. Um, but I'm not sure if hitters are necessarily going to try to, to put more balls into play. Um, they might, you know, you never know. But at the end of the day, home runs are still the most valuable type of batter ball. Um, and the reason why there's so many home runs is, yeah, of course the ball is, is juiced. That seems pretty obvious, but um, also major league teams um, have been trying to get their hitters to, to increase their launch angles and try to create um, these home run balls. Um, so I think the difficult question here is, how far do we have to deaden the ball so that we incentivize players to not go for hormones? Like what's the point where if you measure risk versus reward, um, the reward of hitting a line drive outweighs the risk of potentially getting a useless fly out, right? And so um, if we go back to the 2014 ball, then yeah, maybe there's gonna be more reward in hitting line drives, but um, that's going back to that state. It also involves a huge risk because we don't know what's going to happen. Um, and, but I, I do think that the game does benefit from having more balls in play. Um, so yeah, I am in support of the, of dending the ball. It's just, I'm not sure to what extent or if it's going to be as effective as we think. Justin. Thank you so much for being on the show today. If you people haven't been reading your work on fan graphs, they should. Uh, we, like we said, this last one was uh, in the article, an early look at the new baseball. And the first one, uh, you could dive into the data, see those comps for Jack Leiter's fastball, and Jack Leiter's fastball exemplifies his talent. Both of them are really good. Justin, where can we find you on the internet? Um, I'm on Twitter at... Um... Justin, Justin O. Choi. So that's um, J-U-S-T-I-N-O-C-H-O-I on Twitter. All right. And be sure to read his stuff over at Fangraphs. I've been enjoying it very much. He's got to do some great stuff to go from here. Justin, 
Thank you again. If you haven't subscribed yet to the DK Sports Radio feed, you should. There are a lot of great shows on here. Be sure to tune in on Saturdays for Justin for Jared Prugar, not Justin Prugar. Maybe Justin will come on one day. Who knows? But Jared Prugar and I, we talk about the Pirates farm system uh, in Young Bucks. That's on Saturday mornings. Be sure to give that a listen. Thank you so much. And we'll talk again next week. Mm-hmm.